0: We need a revelation of Jesus. We don't need a revelation of church. We need to know who he is, not how to do Sunday mornings. It's not If we move from opening prayer to worship, to tithes and offerings, to announcements, to a sermon, to the closing, and then we pack up, and that's not what the Lord has in store, then what are we moving to? We're just moving for the sake of moving. Jesus prophesied and he said that the wind comes and goes and no one knows where it goes where it comes from or where it goes to but he said so it is with those that are born of the spirit those who give themselves to Holy Spirit and they follow the wind wherever he goes all we're required to do is let down our sails and let the wind carry us that means no control That means nothing I do determines where I end up. All that's required of me is I yield myself and go where the wind goes. He's in love with us, guys. Do you believe that? Has it really hit our hearts when we say, I love you, Jesus? Has it really hit our hearts? Do you get that that childlike feeling on the inside of you, like the first time you told your wife or your girlfriend or boyfriend, I loved you? That nervousness that you had because you're getting ready to give yourself away. I'm in that season of life right now. And this constant preparation and this nervous excitement of giving myself to someone do our hearts tremble in the same way, if not more so, when we think of Jesus and his return? Jesus, our bridegroom, what's the point of coming back if there's no bride for him to get married to? He's coming back for you and me. And he is the most outrageous most childlike lover that you will ever experience in your life. I believe in my heart that he gets butterflies when he talks to us, when we have his attention. When you get in the secret place and you just sit there with him and you say, here I am, I'm here to love you. It makes him feel all warm and giddy on the inside. He wants our love. He desires our love. Because he wants to and desires to give you his love. The love that he has. It's this beautiful, this beautiful exchange that takes place. He, we, we give him love and affection, and he pours it back on us 10 times over. And then we take a fraction of that, because that's all we can handle, and we give it right back to him. And then he gives us another overwhelming amount of it. This is the king we serve. This is the Jesus that we love. And nowhere in my Bible does he ever call us to do something for him that will take away from our time with him. We need a revelation of who he is. We don't need a revelation of how to live free, we need a revelation of Jesus. We don't need a revelation on how to be more generous, we need a revelation of Jesus. We don't need a revelation on how to draw people to the church, we need a revelation of Jesus. If drawing people to church for the sake of getting them in the doors, they have become our God. If the basis of our success as a church is how many people we have on the platform or how well the pastor preaches, we're not looking at church any different than we're shopping for homes. Well, the preacher, he has this energy to him and he's really funny, has this really cool way of communicating to us. Is Jesus there? I know that pastor's there but is jesus there i'm not knocking any pastors but i am saying that in our pursuit of jesus we never pursue the outward appearance of what we see over who he is and what he's doing what he wants to do we've been in church i've I've grown up in church my entire life i've been in all different types of churches i've been in I've been in Burmese churches, I've been in black churches, I've been in many, many, many white churches, I've been in Jamaican churches, Dominican churches, Indian churches. And the ones where the presence of the Lord was the most strong were not the ones that had the most people coming to them. We went to this one place in India and we met in a neighborhood, there was a tent A small tent, there was probably close to 100 people crammed in under this little like 20 by 20 tent, sent in this little neighborhood on dirt streets, cows just walking around, and we're preaching the gospel. We're giving them Jesus. It's at night, the lights went out, and then all of a sudden, people start pulling out their phones. I didn't even know people had phones over there. (laughs) But they pull their phones out, and everybody turns on their flashlights, and we just start singing praises to the Lord just loving on Jesus. And then after that happened, the pastor that we were there with took us around when we were finished, because they wanted to feed us. They wanted to honor us and give us an honorarium, which was through, they wanted to feed, cook us a meal. And they took us around, and around the back side of this house, there's this little chicken house. It's probably no more than six feet tall. It was an A-frame, so the highest point was six feet. And it was probably only about 20 feet deep. And that was their church building. And we went in there and we sat down and we began to talk with this pastor on, what are you seeing? What's going on? And the persecution is unreal. That's why they're meeting in a chicken house. Right around the corner from a a Hindu, radical Hindu neighborhood, Christianity is pretty much outlawed. They will come and they will tear your building down, if not physically harm you. And this pastor just sitting there, just the biggest smile on his face because some white people from America wanted to come and tell, him, tell his people about Jesus. And that blew him away. But here, if we want someone to come speak, it's almost like we look at the fact of, well, how engaging are they as a speaker? or how are they going to appeal to the younger crowd? Or how can they how can they balance the line between theology and practicality? We got bigger things to think about. Jesus didn't say go and toe the line and try and make my message relevant. He said go and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel that never changes. It doesn't need any modern day paint to be put on it so that it's more appealing to this generation. That's the power of the cross, guys. For it says here, if you have your Bibles, get them out. Hey, Chris, can you turn the lights up a little bit? We're just gonna enter in. We're not changing, we're not shifting gears. Stay in this attitude because Holy Spirit is really... I feel like he's really speaking to some of us in our hearts. He's always speaking to us, but certain atmospheres where he has the freedom to be able to come in and touch us in specific ways. And so just keep your heart, just stayed on him. But this is the relevance of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 18. I'm just gonna read verse 18 through 25. We're gonna read Bible. And it says this, this is Paul speaking. He says, to preach the message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. But to us who are being saved, it is the mighty power of God released within us. For it is written, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise and I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. So where is the wise philosopher who understands? Where is the expert scholar who comprehends? And where is the skilled debater of our time who could win a debate with God? Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world system is utter foolishness? For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe it. Did you get that? He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of the cross. For the Jews constantly demand to see miraculous signs while those who are not Jews constantly cling to the world's wisdom but we preach Christ crucified. The Jews stumble over him and the rest of the world sees him as foolishness. But for those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, he is God's mighty power, God's true wisdom and our Messiah. For the foolish things of God have proven to be wiser than human wisdom and the feeble things of God have proven to be far more powerful than any human ability. Let me say this from a different translation. For the foolish things of God are wiser than men and the weak things of God are stronger than men. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is the God that we serve. It's not a gospel that has to be dolled up to look good. In the eyes of the world, it makes no sense. But here's the thing. This thing that we're doing, it's not you and I on a mission. It is the great commission. Why do you think it's called the commission? When God pointed the promised land out to Moses and said, there it is, go take it, what did Moses say to the Lord? He said, if you're not going with us, we're not going. Because Moses had spent so much time in his presence. He said, if you don't go with me, I don't want anything to do with it. That's no promised land. The promised land is here with you. And when it comes to the commission, it's a mission is saying, hey, I need this done. I need you by yourself to go get it done. And the father could have done it that way, but he didn't. He gave us the great commission. What did we just sing? Come Lord Jesus, come. The spirit and the bride say come. That's the commission. Holy Spirit and us working together to fulfill the great commission, which is to preach the gospel. How does that work? We are the vessel. We speak the gospel and it is the Holy Spirit that draws men unto the reality of Jesus. So we're already not in this alone. If we're preaching and think that we can save people by our own ability, by all means, go at it. But just as Solomon said, all is vanity. With Holy Spirit, we have been empowered as believers to live Jesus everywhere we go, You don't have to change your vernacular you don't have to change the way that you act if it's in accordance to the transformation life that you are already walking in jesus said as i am so are you in this world christ in me jesus brothers told him i think it's in john six or seven they said hey why are you preaching in the back why are you preaching in the backwoods of judea why don't you go to the city it's in the middle of feast time You know how many people come from around the region to Jerusalem for the feast? If you want to become well-known, you need to go to Jerusalem and preach there. And Jesus said, any time is a good time to gain man's approval. Did you hear that? Any time is a good time to gain man's approval. But he said, the man will love you, but they hate me. Because I'm not of this world. So the world cannot love me. So if we're preaching and we're changing our message, just try to appeal to people. That's not the gospel. That's not Jesus. Jesus said, go and make disciples. As you have been discipled, go and disciple others. If you are here this morning and you have not been discipled, get in your secret place. And I pray right now that the Lord would put someone on your heart, maybe that's in this room or out of this room that has spiritual depth that you can go and cling to them to help them, to look to them, not as you're dependent on them, but look to someone that has a deeper relationship with Jesus and come before them and say, hey, I want to have, (laughs) how do I say this? I want to have a relationship with you that has conditions, which means you have what I want. You have a love for Jesus that exceeds my love for him. And I want to know how you got to where you are. Isn't that what they say with, if you want to become a great guitar player, get around people that are at a greater skill set than you and you naturally will come up higher. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He's not saying, cling to me and I'll tell you everything that you need to know. He's saying, look at what I'm doing, do the same thing. He's holding the hand of Jesus and holding your hand. And once you have come to that beautiful connection with the Lord to where now you can live and you're standing on your own two feet and now you're walking. He's saying, all right, now you go and do the same. Find somebody else and have them follow you as you follow Christ and in your living unto him, it will draw them to want to live unto Jesus as well. This message doesn't need changed. The church has tried to change it. We're trying to put intimacy on the the altar of being culturally relevant trying to appeal to a different generation because we think, oh, well, we're dealing with gender dysphoria and we're dealing with sexual identity crisis and all these things. They didn't have that back in Jesus' day. You don't understand. You want to go and talk to Sodom and Gomorrah? People say the world is worse now than it's ever been. Are Christians being lit up on the streets of Rome as streetlights? No. The world is not as bad as it's ever been. It's probably as bad as it's ever been in our time for us on this earth, but what a better time to shine. We don't have to change the message to try and appeal to someone. And Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes we also disqualify ourselves from sharing the gospel with certain people because we didn't come from what they came, what they came from. And I'm not knocking anything. I'm not knocking anything. I think it's very important that God uses our testimonies as an amazing opportunity to speak into the lives of certain individuals that need common ground. That need an understanding of being like, here's someone that actually walked through exactly what you're going through. And they came out on the other side. And this is their story. I think that is beautiful. And that is so needed but I also believe in my heart that we are not to disqualify ourselves from ministering to a certain individual because we didn't come from where they came from. I don't see Jesus coming from a broken household, and yet Jesus speaks to the woman caught in the act of adultery. He speaks to the uh, he speaks to the boy that was possessed by a demon for years, and anytime he, it would throw him into random convulsions. Jesus wasn't saying, well, I've never been possessed by a demon, so I don't really know how to, you know, bring light to this situation. I don't know what he's going through right now. No, he came and said, light be. We don't need to, we don't need to disqualify ourselves and be like, well, I don't know where you're coming from, man. He does. What did we hear a couple months ago? It's not about where we've been and what we've done. It's about where he's been and what he's done and what he's bringing to us, which is the gospel to go and to change hearts and minds. And when you look at other people, look at yourself and be like, how did I get here? Lord, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What you did in me, do in them. Do it again. But not only that the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy it's not just what you did in me do it again it's also jesus christ is the most prophetic thing you could ever say when you're speaking over people i prophesied jesus into this situation would the king of glory be made manifest in their hearts and in their minds bring them into rightness of mind father I thank you, Lord, that you are not intimidated by the situations of our day. You're not intimidated to people that will (laughs) literally gnash their teeth on the fact of women's rights and abortion. Father, we don't have to change our message. Father, help us to see the world the way you see the world. Father, I thank you that you have given us your word. You have given us Jesus You have given us the king of glory, and he is the will of God. Lord, may we stop praying, Lord. What is your will? What is your will? And may we look at the life of Jesus and recognize that Jesus Christ is the will of God. (laughs) And on top of all of this, we have been given freedom as a nation. We sing songs that say, I don't wanna, I don't wanna leave anything inside of me. I don't wanna get to heaven and the Lord be like, look at all the things that were on the inside of you that needed to come out. Look at all the praise that was still in you that you never released. I also don't wanna get to heaven and be like, look at all the freedoms. I put you in a free country for you to go and literally bring the gospel. And you didn't even use your God-given rights in a free nation. We have every right to not be silent. And I know our founding fathers were not perfect people, but my goodness, what they got right, they got right. And they understood the importance of religious liberty and freedom of speech and actually wanting to be able to pursue, pursue their dreams without overreaching of government. And the tyrannical rule. Fourth of July is right around the corner and there's a bunch of people that are celebrating their freedoms. What if an amazing way for us to celebrate our freedom is to share the gospel? I want to read something to you real quick. I've just, the Lord had me download this the other day and it's really, really humbling, but it's this app and it's by a ministry called Open Doors. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of it, but Open Doors They're a ministry that keeps in touch with people that are persecuted for their faith. And they send out articles to believers and let them know what's happening to the church around the world, mainly in persecuted nations and how you can pray and stand in faith for them. And I think what an amazing time as we celebrate this weekend, our day of independence, to link our arms with the international church, the worldwide church, through just hearing about what's going on because regardless of how amazing you think America is or isn't, this right here gives you a reason to be thankful. And I just want to read this to you real quick. This is in Iran. House church leaders sentenced a combined 22 years in prison. In response to a recent UN report on human rights risks, the government of Iran stated that no one is prosecuted in Iran merely for holding an opinion or belonging to a particular class or group, but three of our Iranian family members about to be imprisoned for establishing house churches with the intention of disturbing national security might state otherwise. Pastor Joseph, I'm not even gonna try and say that last name, received a 10-year sentence, followed by two years of internal exile. After his release, he will not be allowed to travel abroad, become a member of a social or political group, and will have to report regularly to Iran's intelligence service for two years. Along with Brother Joseph, two women, Mina Kajavi and Malahi Nazari, will each serve a six-year prison sentence. Four other Muslim background believers received sentences, but were allowed to pay fines amounting to approximately 800 to $1,200 each. However, they will have criminal records, which will impact future opportunities for employment. Many governments accused of Christian persecution often attempt to disguise these human rights violations in order to be perceived palatably by the rest of the world. In reality, they find covert means to drive the Christian population from the region. Iran is one of those countries, and secret believers in that nation are in constant danger of imprisonment. That's just one story. Just one story. And I read these stories of these people that are willing to go to prison. We saw it happen during COVID. Pastors that were willing to go to prison for the sake of the gospel. Paul and Silas went to prison for the sake of the gospel. Peter and John were whipped because they preach the gospel, but that didn't silence them. And we sit here today and I'm not knocking us whatsoever. I'm challenging us because I want to be challenged in myself that we sit here today in a free nation, in a free nation. And what are we going to do about it? Are we gonna withhold the gospel? Is the gospel we share going to take a different look or a different form? Or are we actually gonna walk in exactly what we read in scripture, which is that we serve a Jesus that touches people even today. We experienced that this morning. Jesus still touches us. He's amazing. And his love for us is outrageous. I wanna say this, that Jesus, loving Jesus is life's greatest achievement and your highest calling. Jesus is not a way for you to get to your destination. He is your destination. It's not, okay, I got Jesus down. I got this gospel thing down. What's next? No, it's I got Jesus and I'm going after him and I'm going after him again and I'm going after him again. He never ends Jesus tells us in John, he tells us everything, you pour over the scriptures looking for eternal life. Behold, I tell you, everything you read points to me. The New Testament hasn't been written. This is the Old Testament he's referring to. When you read about Abraham, he's referring to me. Jesus was almost stoned for telling these things. He was almost stoned for saying, that Abraham was excited about Jesus and he's, and they're looking at Jesus like you're only 30 years old. What do you know about Abraham? How can you say that Abraham was excited about your coming? Abraham was alive thousands of years ago because Jesus is pointing to the fact that Abraham saw the joy set before him that was Jesus. And so we have a responsibility on keeping it only about Jesus. You might have already heard me say things this morning that you've heard the last couple months, and I'm saying it again, and guess what? Next week, you're probably going to hear it again from Pastor Phil, and the week after that, you're going to hear it again, because Jesus is the only thing that we were ever meant to talk about. He is the only one we were ever meant to fall in love with, and He was the only one that we were ever meant to adore and give our all for. It's only Jesus, it's only Jesus. When you get to heaven, we have these conversations, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go up to Moses and I'm gonna ask him why he took a staff and struck the rock when the Lord said, speak to it. No, (laughs) John records in Revelation, when he saw the Lord, this is John the beloved that walked with Jesus. If anyone had the ability to not be overwhelmed at the sight of Jesus, it was John because he had seen him before. But he sees Jesus in Revelation and Revelation tells us this, that John said, I fell down at his feet as a dead man. That's how overwhelming it was. When we get to heaven, we're going to be in his presence, unlimited. And we're going to experience Jesus. But let me tell you this. It's going to be overwhelming. We have these ideas in our mind of what we think it's going to be like and everything. And that's amazing. Dream away. Think of what heaven's going to be like. But never think of heaven in the absence of Jesus. All of heaven revolves around him. Revelation also tells us that the lamp And the worship team knows where I'm about to go with this. The lamp of heaven is the lamb. Jesus is the way by which we will see in heaven. Scripture tells us he is clothed in light. Light that is so bright yet still so approachable. This is the Jesus that we serve. So when you get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, guess what? The way by which we see will be because of Jesus. That's amazing. That's amazing. This is the Jesus we serve. We will repeat it again and again and again. Because once again, nothing else died on a tree. Nothing else rose from the dead three days later. Nothing else died and poured out their blood on the mercy seat. No one else, nothing else, only Jesus, all the time. And I've been guilty of allowing myself to take my eyes off of him on occasion. And you find yourself doing things that you're like, wait a second, this isn't the way that you created me. This isn't the way that you, you, you see me. I want to see myself the way you see me. Because everything that Jesus is pointing us to here is we, we have this beautiful working of the Trinity. What, what, what we have here is, is Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the only way to come to the Father is through the Son. And the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to me. I'm telling you, you can look all these things up in scripture. I'm not speaking on my own means. I'm telling you what I've read in the scripture. And he says that the Holy Spirit His only purpose is to reveal Jesus to us. To reveal who He is and empower us to live like Him. So the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to me. I see Jesus. Jesus is the way to the Father. And guess what? I get to the Father and the Father points me right back to the Son. All the way in Genesis 3. He says that, He says to the snake, there will be enmity between your seed and her seed, capital S, when he referred to her seed. And he said that he will crush your head, but you will bruise his heel. And what God was prophesying in Genesis 3 from the very beginning was that the the head of Satan would be crushed through the bruising of Jesus' heel. A cross would crush Satan. Satan. And so we have this picture. The Father points us right back to Jesus. So who are we to pursue anyone other than Jesus? Jesus is heaven's only message. Every time the father shows up in the gospels and audibly speaks, he says, this is my son. Listen to him. Jesus is baptized. We all know the story. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove and a voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The father audibly speaking of his son, Jesus, telling everyone around him, even John the Baptist, pay attention to who he is. And then we have a couple year, or a couple chapters later. It was probably a couple years later. Jesus was had his ministry for 2 years. And so a little bit later, Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus and his closest core friend, Peter, James and John, and they go up to the mountain. And Jesus is transfigured before their eyes. And Moses and Elijah show up and a cloud descends upon the mountain after Peter asks, do you want us to build three altars, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? A cloud descends and a voice speaks and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. The father, once again, pointing us to the son, pointing us to Jesus. And then we have a third time. And I want to say it's in John 12, something around there. It's in one of the teen chapters. I've got it written down somewhere. I didn't plan on talking about this, so that's why I don't know exactly where it's at. I'm still spending time. It's good, though. But Jesus is speaking to the crowd, and he says, Father, glorify your Son. Glorify your name. And the Father audibly speaks and says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it in you. The third time that the Father audibly speaks, and it's to point people once again to Jesus. Everything we do has to go back to Jesus. It all has to start at Jesus. It ends with Jesus. And it doesn't progress anywhere outside of Jesus. We find the lane. We stay in the lane. And guess what? That's how you're going to reach people. That's how the church is going to reach people. And that's how the church is going to be activated into its missional calling. What moves us to action? We're in love with something and it moves us to action, right? You watch a war movie. Why does the man that is in love with his wife wanna give his all and go to war? Because he's not so, yeah, he's thinking about a love for his country, but more than that, he's thinking about fighting for a country that his wife lives in, his family resides in. He's fighting for his family and the love of his nation. So if we don't fully make Jesus our everything and Jesus our only thing, and he's not the love of our lives, then of course, why why would we go and bear witness of who he is if he's not what we're in love with? You bear witness what you're in love with. You can tell when someone's in love with football. Why? Because when you get around them, it's all they talk about. Unless you're a cowboy fan, then they don't want to talk about it. (laughs) You're in love, you talk about what you're in love with. When there's nothing else to talk about, you could still talk about him for days. Why? Because he's limitless. There's never something that you don't have the ability to talk about when it comes to Jesus. And I'm tired. I'm tired of the church coming week in and week out but there's no depth. And I'm not just talking, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about here. I'm not pointing this to one church in particular. I'm talking about the Western church as a whole. That we just went through this trial phase in, the, in, the, in, in terms of COVID. And in some ways we passed the test, but in many ways we failed and realized where our faith really was at that here we are singing songs that are saying, you're the God who can do anything, who is like you, you're amazing, you're our only desire. And then COVID hits and we're like, what's going on? What's happening in life? And we begin to question it. And I'm not saying it's bad to question it, but I'm saying it's bad whenever we actually take our eyes off of him and onto what's going on around us. When Peter sunk, when he was walking on the water, he didn't sink because he looked at the waves. So many times people are like, well, why did Peter sink? Well, he looked around him and he got fearful and then he fell. He sunk because he took his eyes off of Jesus. Forget the waves. He took his eyes off of Jesus. That's all that matters. And so for us in our lives, when we're walking and we're going through life, if you find yourself beginning to sink, it's because you took your eyes off of Jesus. Pure and simple. I've noticed for me, because every time I've taken my eyes off of Jesus, that's exactly what's happened. I find myself sitting there and I'm like, I feel like I've got a thousand things to do and not enough time to do it. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, what's going on? But the Lord is like, fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on me. It's not bad to be overwhelmed, but it is bad when you... Begin to be so focused on what you have to do instead of what you were made to do, which was to be with him, to know him, to grow and become just like him. We don't have any excuses. And so I just want to read something that the Lord had put in my heart. And I want us to just think about this, is who Jesus is. And the Lord, I just picked up my phone the other day and just started writing down what did Jesus do? Who was he then? Who is he now? And it's crazy because he's the same. But I just want to read this to you. And as I read this, I just want us to close our eyes to move everything from our focus and just look at Jesus. And as I read this, I want you to see Jesus and who he is and allow him to touch you. Allow him to move on your heart. Allow him to clarify your vision and how you see him. So I just want to read this. Go ahead and just close your eyes. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your heart on Jesus. This is Jesus. He was beaten, he was whipped, he was mocked, he was betrayed, he was slapped, he was ridiculed, he was criticized, he was crucified. He was unrecognizable, he was given a cross, he carried that cross and he was nailed to that cross. He died in our place, he overcame death, hell, and the grave, he set the captives free, he is alive, he has overcome. He is the Passover lamb. He is the living water. He is our high priest. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one worthy to open the scroll and break its seven seals. He is our living bread. He is our hiding place. He is our bridegroom. He is our new covenant. He is the light of heaven. He is the perfect one. He is the sacrifice. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is the firstborn from among the dead. He is heaven's great diadem. He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our righteousness. He is our patience. He is our healer, our restorer, our provider. He is the father. He is the father's only message. He is love in flesh. He is our only desire. He is the ancient of days. He is Jacob's ladder. He is Abraham's sacrifice. He is Moses' rod. He is our savior. He is our king. He is seated in glory as a man, and he is coming soon. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? He is coming soon. Who is Jesus? Who is he to you? Not your interpretation. Who is Jesus? Find out who Jesus is and let's go live like him. I want to live like him. It's possible to live like him. Sin is impossible it's impossible to sin when you're in Jesus and it's impossible to live like Jesus when you're in sin the two cannot be mixed it's water and oil it doesn't work that way and so we have a charge Jesus said in John 6 and I'm going to end with this Jesus said in John 6 those that eat well I'm just I'm just going to turn to it I can't (laughs) I'm just going to read it. He says this, John six fifty three. He replied to the people and said, listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the son of man and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. "'Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body "'and drinks my blood, and I will raise him up "'in the last day, for my body is real food "'for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. "'The one who eats my body and drinks my blood "'lives in me, and I live in him. "'The Father of life sent me, and he is my life. "'In the same way, the one who feeds upon me, "'I will become his life.'" I am not the bread your ancestors ate and later died. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. Jesus is saying, Feast on me. Israel ate manna in the wilderness and guess what? They died. Jesus is saying, What you saw in Exodus, the manna coming from heaven to sustain Israel in the wilderness, that was a prophetic picture of what the Father would do thousands of years later with the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven that would be sent to the earth to fill and feed the world. Everything we look at in the Old Testament is a prophetic picture of who Jesus is. It's our job to go and to find him, to read and to become what we read. Dad talked about this last week. He talked about this on Wednesday night. Become what you read. We read about Jesus. So we become what we read. And it's not us trying in our own human ability to make it happen. It's us through him. Actually, it's solely through him. We're out of the equation. You know why? Because we die. When we die and we learn how to die, that's where things change. And that's why here at Vision, you will never hear a message trying to teach you how to walk as Jesus walked while also maintaining your flesh or maintaining who you are, what you've built up after all this time. There's none of that. It's all of Jesus, none of me. What does that mean? All of Jesus, none of my opinions. All of Jesus, none of my rights. All of Jesus, none of any of that. It's just Him. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, that's pretty radical. That's pretty intense. Jesus is pretty intense. I just told you, when we pour our love out on Him, He pours over 10 times that And we're just like, ugh, and then we just give him a little bit more of our love back to him. And then he pours out even more. He doesn't know how to love you any less. He only knows how to love you more. And I'll finish with this. I know I already said I was going to finish with this. Man, I feel like pastor right now because they always say, I'm going to finish. I'm done. I'm done. But uh, this just came to my mind, too. Just real quick. When it comes to our worship, why we sing, why we sing. Do you hear me? While we sing, we lift our voices. We don't come in and be entertained. We are not entertainers. You will never see us up here for the reason to entertain. We, I, I, I tell the team, and this goes for me as well, that if we ever come in and our hearts are not in the right place, we will not get on that platform. Why? Because we're not singing to you. We're singing to him because he's the only one that our eyes need to be on. This room could be totally empty, and I guarantee you our worship would look the same because we're here for him. But whenever it comes for you, the same rule applies to you. When you come in here and you walk in the presence of the Lord, you're not stepping into worship so that it's like, okay, let me just worship and then hopefully, Lord, you'll you'll just change my mind on what's going on in my life right now. And I just need to get through like two or three songs and then I'll be ready to be able to receive the message. That's not what this is about. You're coming unto Jesus. What's happening in the message is actually equipping you for what you're doing in worship. We give our praise to him. It doesn't matter how we feel about it because how we feel about it shouldn't dictate our love for him. How we feel in Where we're at right now should not change our love for who he is. And so when we worship him, the room should be totally empty. And if your worship changes, I would probably double check the one you're worshiping. Because when we worship, that's why Jesus said, go into a secret place. Close the door to where you're not tempted to role play and just get between you and the Lord and love on him. Just love on him when it's just you. And when you have cultivated that time in the secret place and then you come out here into the open, nothing changes because you've cultivated a relationship with him in private. And now in public, people are just here and they're watching you burn. Come on. And so that's where we need to be is when you come in here on a Sunday morning, you're not singing to make me feel better about myself. If anything, (laughs) like I say this in love, (laughs) But it's like, sometimes I want to hear you guys sing just to know you're breathing. You know what I'm saying? And so once again, this is not affirmation for me. I get all the affirmation I need in the cross. I don't want any of us in here to miss what God is doing. And it can be easy to miss what God's doing when we're not entering in and we're worshiping. And this real quick, this is how much your worship touches the heart of the Father, okay? I'm going to read this and then... (laughs) I'm not even going to say it anymore. I'm going to read this, all right? Song of Solomon, chapter 9, in the Passion Translation, so you know what's about to get juicy, all right? This is how the Father's heart is touched when you worship Him, all right? This is Jesus. He says, for you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love. My beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes. For you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. That's not the, that's not the Shulamite bride to the bridegroom king. That's the bridegroom king to the Shulamite bride. That's Jesus to you. When you worship him, that's how you make him feel. What we talked about earlier, that all like warm and giddy and nervous feeling on the inside. You do that to Jesus when you worship him and you love on him. It hits him. And he doesn't hear it as just like empty, veiled speech. No, he hears that and he's like, oh, they love me. I love how Todd White says it, it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a daisy and there's always another pedal on the daisy. He's just like, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. That's what he does when we worship him and we come before him. So I challenge you, between now and next Sunday, get in the secret place with the Lord. Quiet your mind. Don't bring what has been coming against you into your private time with the Lord. It's not a time for you to come in and be like, Lord, I need you to fix this. I need you to fix this, fix it. No, come to love Him. And out of His love for you, He works all things together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purposes. He didn't say that He works all good things. He said He works all things together. So we don't even have to come before Him and be like, Lord, this is what's going on in my life. I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. The Lord's like... He knows what's going on in your life. He wants to be with you, just as much as a married couple would not bring something into the bedroom when they wanna be intimate with each other. So I just think, let's approach Jesus and be ready to come next Sunday when we worship him, and let's come with unveiled face with no shame or condemnation, ready to freely give him the honor and glory due his name because he is worthy, he is beautiful, and He is. his spirit is on the inside of us crying out how much Holy Spirit loves Jesus too. Don't keep him settled down in you. Let him scream out how much he loves the Lord because if not, rocks will in your place, and I don't think that's a place any of us want to be. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I, I feel... I feel the release. That's it. All right, let's all just uh, let's all stand this morning. Just stretch your legs a little bit. And um, yeah, let's just take 30 seconds and let's just practice what we just talked about. Let's just practice loving the Lord. No one here in the room, it's you and him. Quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and just love on Jesus. So just go ahead and do that. Just for 30 seconds, lift up your voice. Let him know how beautiful he is. Just tell him. If you don't know what to say, just start to tell him. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I love looking at your eyes that are like fire, your hair that's like wool. I love looking at your feet that are like burnished bronze, Father. I just thank you. Just begin to lift up thanksgiving to the Lord. And if you if you have the ability to as well, speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues, praying in tongues is the perfect will of God. And so just begin to speak it out. But don't you stand there and be silent. Let some kind of exhortation come out of you. Just begin to speak it out. Just thank Jesus for who he is. Come on. He loves you and he loves to hear you. He loves to hear you. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift up exhortation to the Lord. Oh, let your groom hear you, bride. Let your groom hear you, bride. Let him hear your love. Let him hear your love. Let him hear your love. Come on, give it to him this morning. Just lift up your voice. Lift up your voice to him. Jesus thank you Jesus we exalt you we lift you on high we worship you King Jesus there is no one like you no one comes close to you father no one comes close to even half of a percent Lord of who you are Wow thank you father thank you father thank you father thank you Lord just once again with everyone's eyes closed I'm not having you lift up your voice because I'm not equating volume to anointing. I just wanna clarify that. That when we speak and we're giving exhortation to the Lord, this is more so for your flesh to hear you say it. There's something that happens when your flesh hears you speak to the Lord and telling him how beautiful and how wonderful he is. Because when you're telling him that and you're voicing it with your own and you're hearing yourself say it, you're telling your flesh, come under what the Lord is doing. I'm submerging my flesh and I'm exalting my spirit to praise the Lord. It's the same thing when we dance, when we move our body in a way. Sometimes it's not because we're, no, it's not sometimes, it's all the time. We're not showing off. We're showing the Lord, you matter more to me than what anybody else here thinks. And so that's why we lift our voices. It's not, once again, we're not equating anointing with volume. That's not what this is about. It's about hearing yourself say it and your flesh submitting itself to what your spirit wants. So Father, I thank you for every person here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this time of loving you and glorifying your holy name. And I just thank you, Lord, that this week that we would challenge ourselves to get in the secret place, to look at your face and to never take our eyes off of you, to behold you, which is to set our gaze fiercely fixed on the King of glory and to just stare at him to be in awe of what we're looking at. And so I just thank you, Jesus, for every person here, Lord, that we would learn to love you more, that we would look more like you, that we wouldn't change the gospel to our current circumstance, but that we would recognize that the gospel is timeless and it carries more power today than it ever has. And we thank you, Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. We love you and we exalt you. In Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, church, say amen. Well, hey, can we just give a shout to Jesus this morning?